You know, it's hard to be able to really see yourself clearly. And I don't mean like in a mirror. I mean something more existentially, like you're able to actually see your true self. The problem is, of course, you're always you. You can never stop being you long enough to be able to look at yourself through other eyes. This is also true of us culturally. In our cultural moment, at this time and space, it's difficult to really be able to assess us as we truly are. I see dark rain clouds all the time. I see socioeconomic distress. I see political corruption. I see all the bad stuff, but there's also some really good stuff. And I recently got hit up with some awesome America appreciation type stuff. I've been traveling. I love traveling. I just hit my 37th foreign country that I've visited. I've lived in different countries, including third world countries, and I've visited a lot, both from wartime and even far more so, just through my own desire to travel and check out the rest of the world and other cultures. Now, whenever you travel, something amazing happens, and it's, it allows you to be able to see your own culture with a fresh perspective and fresh eyes. This can really grow you. You can be appreciative of stuff that you took for granted before, but you can also check out some stuff that you're really screwing up and getting bad. So now that I'm back on terra firma in America, I've got two revelations I really wanted to share with you. They're going to be mutually edifying, so we're going to get into it, and it all starts now. John Level Show, here we go. Guys, we got a great show for you. I'd ask you to check out our website. This is our shameless plug section right up front. We have all kinds of new shirts. This is our I Am Lion, I Am Lamb shirt. And so that's on the back. We also have cool designs like this, which are coming at you. We'd really appreciate your support. Also, check out our gear section on the website. It's all the stuff specially curated by yours truly. So you can get the kit that you love. Best bang for your buck. Shop Warrior Poet Society. So a couple times a year, I do a family vacation, and I do my vacations really, really weird. I open it up to the community. You guys, Warrior Poets, are able to go on vacation with us, and we rent out tour buses, and this is great for me because... I don't have to think about any of the logistics, and we got tour guides squiring us about, like, Italy and Switzerland and Austria. That was our latest trip, and we're all kind of packed in there with like-minded people, so there's safety and all kinds of economies of scale, so we can kind of skip all the lines, see all the sites. I plan nothing, and our tour guides take care of everything, so it's, it's my favorite way to travel. I took my wife and my sons, and so... As we're going through ancient Rome or Venice or Florence or Pisa, wherever we happen to be, Zurich, uh, my kids are just learning and going. It's this really cool homeschool experience as well. Now, I bring all that up because as you were out and about, out of our normal uh, social norms, we immerse in different cultures. And once we're immersed in different cultures, it allows us to really look back at our culture and see much more clearly than we ever could because we're in our culture. It allows us to really see what's what's good and the things that we really miss, and there are plenty, and then things that are bad as well. A second thing is it really just allowed us to uh, breathe some fresh air as we checked out of just really depressing bummer news headlines. All the news is bad all the time, very, very uh, obnoxious and uh, when I got back, lo and behold, there was more bad news. But I really took almost, you know, nearly two weeks out of bad uh, headlines, and the world did not spin off of its axis. And so that was that was nice. 
Bad news was waiting for me, but it kind of allowed some deep internal batteries to recharge. And I thought that was really, really good as well. Now, the thing I wanted to really dwell on today uh, was the first thing that I mentioned, and that's uh, it allowed me to really look back at my own culture, uh, United States, uh, with some appreciation and also with some disdain. But here's how I'd sum it all up. The grass is not always greener. And I think amidst bad headlines, and I see uh, freedoms evaporating underfoot constantly in the United States, it allowed me to say, yeah, there's still no other place I would rather live. Now, that's kind of a hard statement because when you're seeing these amazing sights of like I saw the Swiss Alps and we're driving through them and just these beautiful cascading mountains with snowy top peaks and these little Bavarian villages, just like time has forgotten them. And you see these uh, pristine kind of greenish blue glacial rivers coming through. It's just so pristine. It looks like you have jumped into a painting and you're walking around. And so uh, I think in travel of like, man, you're able to uh, really soak in a lot of that beauty. And it'd be easy for me to be like, ah, man, this is really living. Also, when you visited some of these smaller, more impoverished villages, there wasn't a lot going on. There wasn't a lot of uh, latitude for economic prosperity and opportunity of like, you're going to be a farmer because your great, great, great grandparents were farmers and your great, great grandchildren, if they stay in this area, they will be farmers as well. Uh, hopefully you have clean drinking water in these areas. You're going to work very, very hard from sun up to sundown. And hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to pay your bills and grandma's going to make your own clothes. And in some ways there's a simplicity in that. That's really nice. In fact, many Americans, and I've talked to a lot of friends as well, they'll go on mission trips to impoverished areas and they'll come back and remark of like, man, they live so simply and with so much less than the opulence that we're used to in the breadbasket of the world, the United States, uh, that they'll say something like this, man, they were so much happier. Now, I don't subscribe to that. I don't think that's actually true. Uh, I think they're happier in some ways than you may be and more miserable in others. You have no idea their situation. And just because they seem really happy when they see you well, of like, you're like the circus going through that town of like you, you, you're walking through with enough wealth that you could buy their town, even though you may be lower middle class to them, you're like one of the great Kings of the earth, you know? <laughs> so I've been to some of these impoverished villages and when you walk through you're the novelty. And so they're all real happy. And maybe many people are looking for a handout and they're selling their, you know, trinkets and whatnot. And they're hoping to get some of your American dollars. And so it's really hard to figure out whether they're actually happy. Now, as somebody who's lived in multiple third world countries, I know that once that uh, glittery lure, you know, it isn't just here and, and gone, and people kind of drop that and you're not that novelty anymore, you get to kind of see how they're actually living. Uh, so, for instance, in doing ministry work in Costa Rica or Nicaragua or Panama, we'd visit orphanages, and the kids all look so happy. And then you find out after spending a lot of time, you're not just visiting, but you're kind of like living in those areas, you find out like, oh, almost all these kids have been sexually molested many, many times. The chances of them growing up to live on the streets is near 90%. They're not going to be literate, most of them, and their opportunities uh, for advancement are just absolutely hamstrung. They're going to be in the dire straits of 
horrible poverty, most likely for their entire lives. And they're going to be struggling with things like malnutrition and all kinds of preventable diseases. They don't have access to clean drinking water. And where they smile when they see you, they may be miserable when you're gone. And so some of us would be like, oh, they've really got it right. and We're not living well. I'm like, yeah, but if you ask those folks whether they would change places with you, a lot of them would. And that's why we have a border crisis going on. There's a massive inflow of folks that live from impoverished places that are desperately trying to get into the United States. And so whereas I think there is a certain amount of contentment that comes with less riches, less wealth, and more simplicity, there's a real wisdom in living simply and humbly. You know, if like, if you're really wealthy, you're probably going to be miserable. And if you're really impoverished, you're probably also going to be miserable. The trick, I think, is to, uh, hey, give me neither riches nor poverty, but something in the middle and teach me contentment. And I think that's really uh, the the gist of it. But I, I see, but many people are trying to get into the United States so that, it, it, I mean, there's pouring over our border. Now, we don't have a max exodus strategy, and even the celebrities who will get upset because somebody did or said something that they didn't happen to like, they're like, I'm leaving America, and it's fascist, and then they never leave because though they have the means to live anywhere they want, they choose to live in America. And so with their words, they cut down America, but with their actions, they stay here because deep down they realize that there's no place that they would rather live. What I realized abroad is the grass is not always greener. And though I'm in the midst of such beautiful mountains and I'm immersed in such history, which means a whole lot to me, I was able to see the Vatican City, which I don't care too much about except for the beautiful uh, art of like I gazed up at the Sistine Chapel until I felt like I was going to have to go see a chiropractor uh, on my neck, just looking up, staring in amazement. I saw Michelangelo's David statue. I went to the Palazzo Vecchio in uh, Florence, Italy, and I saw like the uh, all these just different statues. The one that really struck me was Perseus holding the head of Medusa, and I said, realized it sounds off, awful. Like I'm like, oh, that's hardcore, and yeah, it kind of is, but it was just it was beautiful. It was incredible. And I'm standing in the footsteps of where, you know, of like Raphael and uh, Michelangelo, Leonardo, uh, all the Ninja Turtles. I can't <laughs> all the Ninja uh, all Turtles the came from the, walked. Yeah, All of them. All of them. That's oh. where Michelangelo practiced nunchucks and, and watched, you know, the gutter rat, you know, splinter. <laughs> the gutter rat become. So much cartoon history <laughs> happened. Oh, and then you probably went to McDonald's afterwards, didn't you? <laughs> I went from like, consummate appreciation of historical art to I'm an idiot. (laughs) Yay, Ninja Turtles. (laughs) John's not very cultured, friends. There you go. But Dante, I saw a big statue from them there, and I really appreciated the history abroad. It made me feel like America was such a new kid on the block. Of like, what, we got a couple hundred years, you know, and these other, you know, just ancient, hundreds and hundreds of years uh, stretching back. And I'm like, I'm standing in the Roman ruins. I visited the catacombs. Uh, I, I, I stood in the Colosseum. Uh, I saw where Russell Crowe died. I can't help that. <laughs> I was being serious. And then I saw Russell Crowe smile at death. You know, it's fantastic. It was well, beautiful. you did ask that question while you were gone. You said, give me only your best gladiator quotes. Decimus Maximus Beridius, commander of the armies of the North. And it goes on, and it is a great quote. It is good. 
aside from those things, which were absolutely like, um, I love the beauty. I love the history. I love the contributions to culture. I was connected to all that, the scenery, the, the architecture. A lot of times in America, we care far more about just the pragmatism of building something that gets the job done and it's efficient. We're not wasting a bunch of dollars to make something uh, unnecessarily ornate. But man, there's so much, there's so much culture and uh, the good kind of pride that's wrapped up in some of that, that that's a bit missing. Uh, but I did find myself really appreciating American efficiency of like you try to um, use a bathroom abroad, they're probably going to charge you money to pee. And man, it's just hard to find those restrooms and they're all kind of packed in there. And then there are airports. I remember coming home from Egypt. My passport was checked nine times. Everyone wanted to see my passport. Finally, I was just, uh, you know, walking around like you, you as well. But like to even check out in the gift shop, you had to show them your ticket and passport to be able to buy something. I'm like, I'm in the airport. Just give me the stuff. That's so, wild. Uh, but especially traveling through Europe, the there's a certain quality that I'm used to in America of even just hotels. I mean, the rooms are smaller. The AC is going to work about half the time. It isn't going to work very well. There'll be big stains on the floor. And anyway, it's just not working very well. Restaurants. If you want to appreciate American restaurant service, go abroad. Uh, you may not see them ever again after taking your initial order. Uh, make that one cup of water last. You might never get another. Oh, man. So refills are hard. Few, refills are very hard. Oh, far and few between. Few, far and few oh, between. Oh, yep. man. But I, I wasn't just appreciating uh, American kind of those uh, creature comforts of like, hey, these efficiencies of like, we do a lot of stuff really well. Of Like, I don't fear drinking straight out of a faucet in America. Abroad, I do not want to drink out of the faucet. However, in America, I don't really fear that. So there's some great efficiencies and like systems. And I like how ordered things are. I mean, our interstates, our banks, everything is just runs smoother, faster, better. But also uh, our freedoms. It's such a big deal. Our freedoms. The best way I found to gauge how free a nation is from a tyrannical government is, is their gun laws. You're just not allowed any place in the U.S. or you're just not allowed any place in the world like you are in the U.S. to have access to firearms. I like traveling armed. Everywhere I go, I'm carrying a gun. And because if something went awry, I'm able to solve that problem. Now, abroad, you have all kinds of violence going on as well. It's just not happening with guns as much because you don't have access to that. But instead, hey, they're resorting to knives. Or they're running over each other. Or they're doing all kinds of other violent crime. Uh, but the government's are able to uh, take down gun violence a little bit because they have a monopoly on force and now they're able to tyrannize. And so what you've exchanged abroad is gun violence on people on people to now a government is able to keep you under thumb and you'll be safer in some respects, but you won't be as free. And that's why baked in the history of uh, many of these nations are some of the worst crimes against humanity that has ever befallen man. And it's because governments not allowing their people to be free. So though we were traveling abroad in big groups with tour guides that know the area, and so there's a bit safety in numbers, and so I'm not really as worried about my personal protection abroad as I might if I was just traveling with me and my family. Once I got home, it was really wonderful to be able to suit back up and be able to defend and protect. 
Now, I use the gun freedom as just a baseline. It's not like all the, of like, that's just the one big thing of, uh, we are more free in the U.S. than any other country. Guns is the quickest way to take a picture at just how free you are. But things like in Canada or the U.K., you can say or tweet things that will literally get you arrested. In the U.S., it hasn't come to pass yet. And so I still appreciate that though while we're losing our freedoms really quickly, man, we are still more free than any other place. And it makes me want to fight for America. It makes me want to get back in the cultural war and be able to stand up and say, you know, it's not hopeless. We are not past a point of no return yet. There, we're still free enough that we can continue to fight through freedom for freedom in the war of ideas. And that's what I want from all of you guys to do is to be encouraged that, hey, where you're living, assuming that you are living in the United States, the hour is not so late and the skies are not so dark that there's not still hope. We still have more opportunity here in the U.S. for economic and social advancement than any other country. That's why we are still considered the land of opportunity. And if you want to change your stars and go from rags to riches, you can do it in the United States. You can carve out an existence that you would want to. You want to homeschool your kids? You're allowed to at many places in the United States where that would be unthinkable in many countries abroad. Because where Marxist ideology is really encroached and then seep, uh, seeped in, they don't really think of it as... Uh, you have a right to educate your kids however you want because the kids belong to the governments. The kids belong to the nation. They're not really yours. It doesn't really cross their minds uh, that these freedoms long since passed up are things that we should naturally still embody, and we have those in the United States. There is my diatribe. Benjamin, what do you think about all that? You well, haven't done much traveling. No, right? and, and it, it makes me not want to travel. What? <laughs> no, John— no, I'm serious. No, uh, just kidding. Um, I would love to go abroad, but I would need to be with a group of people that knew what they were doing. Because I tried to take you with me to Israel and Jordan on one of these trips, right. and you hard passed. I did. I did. I know. To my shame and to my wife's everlasting chagrin, I said, John, you need to find somebody else to go with you on this trip. What trip would you go on? Mm, probably to visit Hobbiton. Really? Because that, that we've really actually talked about that. Our next one is we're doing a Greece trip is next. Then we're doing an England, Scotland, uh, Wales trip later this year. Oh. And then next year we're doing a like four country safari around Lake Victoria in Africa or um, Victoria Falls. What about that one? We see lions. You can ride a zebra. You mean lions that could tear into me. And as you guys can probably tell, I am the risk averse personality. <laughs> John is the adventure personnel. Bring it on, bro. Bring it on. It's I don't all- even care. If that lion charges me, just know I'm going to go out epically. Actually, I will not. I will just immediately get eaten. I have no chance to even slow down a lion. Hopefully, I'd like to think that while it just like gave me one of those terrible Scar Mufasa looks right there, of like, yeah. I don't know why. I'm Would you grab under the mane and just grab a stroke? I don't think so. I'd like to think that I tried to hit him like, you know, like a kidney punch or something. <laughs> Right. Just right as he sinks in and then shakes me like a rag doll and then tosses me across the savannah as my lipless body just oh, kind of thuds. I'd like to think that I, in my last moment, I gave a liver shot. I, <laughs> or a ball hit. I think, I think the key to traveling is, is some of us need a coach. Yeah. I think that um, it's an overwhelming thought to me. I never, my family, we did not have a culture travel. And I think that 
Um, it just so happened to be uh, working alongside someone who is a good coach at travel. And so for those that haven't traveled, I think there is a, uh, I think the ease, the on-ramp to that is to find someone that knows what they're doing and help coach you forward. So, you, you know, whether it's travel or it's just vacation, vacation and travel, it, it's not just as easy as you would think. Oftentimes you can go on vacation and you come back needing a vacation mm-hmm. desperately. You get absolutely whipped amidst the logistics and... I've fallen into this where I've started traveling and Becca and I would get in a fight and it's kind of like, here I am in paradise and I can't get along with my wife and I'm upset about something because something didn't go my way. And perhaps I brought this American spirit of entitlement in where I'm like, no, this is my vacation. Everything should go my way. And that's just not reasonable. Life doesn't happen that way. Even if you go to a place with clear blue water of like the hotel room you know, didn't change, you know, your towels out, uh, or you've been waiting for food for an hour longer, or, you know, there's a massive line or you're tired or you're hangry. And, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know, you get caught in traffic for hours, or you've got this big day at the beach plan and it rains all day. And the problem is, is when you go on vacation, you're bringing you And with all of your problems. So if you struggle hardcore with, you know, lack of understanding or forgiveness or grace or flexibility or impatience or anger, any vice that you naturally have in your normal life, when you go on vacation, you bring that disagreeable nature with you. And so you and your bride can still get in fights. I remember my wife and I went on this European World War II trip. And we had a couple friends that volunteered to babysit our kids, you know, one night. So me and her could go out on a date. Sounds good. And so, yeah, we went into downtown Brussels, Belgium, to go on a date. And instead, we sat down in a restaurant and and just did a, a like an hour and a half long fight. What? We had no fun. No fun. We had to fight it out. We had days of uh, exhaustion and unmet expectations and just general traveler fatigue uh, just kind of mounting up, and then we just went at it. And then the rest of the, t- the time before that and the days after that, they went awesome, but we just had that moment. You know, it was a good, yeah. I don't know, you know 12-hour stretch where, uh, I don't know, we just had to recharge our batteries and extend some grace and, mm-hmm. you know, stop being, I don't know, for my part, maybe I was being a little selfish brat. Uh, I, I don't know, but... I brought my own depravity on vacation with me. So you still need to apologize even when you're on vacation, yeah, this occasion, what, what I'm hearing. <laughs> and she needed to apologize too. It wasn't just her junk yeah. or it wasn't just my junk. Of we, It turns out that, you know, traveling can exhaust you in, in all kinds of unique ways. And, uh, and so being able to be flexible and roll with the punches and stuff, that, that, that's a really big deal. If you can't do that, then we'll maybe go on a like cruise or something, something where everything's thought through already. You can kick back, but even so of like the buffet undercooked the chicken, you know, like there's always something to be upset on. Dude, The Lord kept me from going to Israel because he knows I'm a terrible man. And that would have been too much for me. I would have been a bear, bro. I was not impressed with Israeli food. Mm. So out of the 34 countries I visited, I'd put Israel's dead last for food. That's just, what? and I loved visiting Israel. I loved uh, Jordan. I loved of uh, like, I'd put, I'd rather eat Afghani food than Israeli food. How could God's chosen people have food so bad? Bro, I'm just telling you, I did not enjoy the food. This is one man's opinion. People could be like, what the crap are you saying? I'm like, I'm just saying the food. <laughs> 
wasn't good of like, after like five or six days, me and my wife looked at each other and we're like, I'm starving. We're shrinking. We're shrinking. <laughs> I'm supposed to get fat and then repent after a vacation. <laughs> John's looking to me. I loved our Israel tour. I yeah. loved it. I loved Jordan as well, but man, we starved. We were starved. <laughs> oh, that's so So <laughs> when I go back one day, we're bringing copious amounts of fatty American snacks. So anyway. There's another pro tip for you guys. To Israel, bring snacks. Traveling can be hard. Guys, I'd love to hear from you. What is some good travel tips that you guys have? It set us up uh, for success. Uh, ben, wh- where should we go now? All right. Hey, so we're going to continue right on with some hot topics uh, with me because you were talking about Italy. And so I, of course, have got to ask you the burning question that was making its ways through the internet last week. You may not have picked this up because you were gone, but apparently... According to Washington Post, a new social media trend prompting women to ask the men in their lives how often they think about ancient Rome is revealing that it crosses the minds of many men on a weekly basis, even daily or more. This shocks what women aren't thinking about ancient Rome? Yeah, to the surprise and confusion of their loved ones. (laughs) So, John... So I literally just played directly into the statistic. Yes. So, John, be true with My me. incredulity right there perfectly matched. Exactly that. How often, John, do you think of Rome? All the time. I was thinking about Rome before you brought this up. No, I do. But So on a weekly basis, you think of Rome? Maybe. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely, I do. Internet, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely, I do, yeah. Well, I think the corollary, the parallel, the historical lesson is before us. And, and what is America but an ancient R- Rome reborn? See, uh, in, this is so, the heartbeat of everything that they're saying. And so I, I think a Gibbons uh, fall in decline yeah. of the Roman Empire. Yeah. And I'm like, well, here we are again. We've already done this. Mm. This was 1,500 years ago. We already played this track. And so I look to ancient Rome uh, as, you know, kind of like a, oh, what am I trying to say? Uh, like a, a sin of the parent revisiting, kind okay. of like a, it, it, it that is so our, that you, is our prophetic it, doom. So in some ways it, it's, uh, you see a trend, a historical trend, Yeah. but beyond, beyond uh, just the trend, maybe uh, philosophically, I think the parallels uh, to Rome and us now, the parallels, uh, both in the zenith of power and uh, the degradation of society through corruption and uh, vice, it, it is a shocking, striking parallel. How can I not think of Rome all the time? I'm living in the new Rome. Mm, that's cool. uh, so, yeah. Uh, if you're not thinking about the parallels, what ancient artifacts from Rome do you find your mind fixating on? I don't really think about artifacts. Do you think of chariots? Have you ever seen the movie Ben-Hur? Yeah, Ben-Hur. So uh, I've got a chip on my shoulder against the movie Ben-Hur because I love the book so much. And so, oh, Lou Wallace's Ben-Hur, incredible book. Oh, I haven't read that one. And no TV show or movie can do it justice. It is one of my favorite books. All right, I'm going to have to write that one down. It is spectacular. But, But I think about the early Christian martyrs. I think about the sacred hallowed catacombs, which I just visited. Uh, incredible, uh, that yeah. old dead air down there just is like there's this ancient uh, presence there. 
and there's such inspiration of the heroism done there for real faith triumphant in the midst of terrible persecution and murder uh, by tyrants. So like that was sacred hollow ground. And so uh, anyway, on our group, um, I was able to kind of bring the group together uh, and it was tight space in there. So the, uh, I went and visited the two different groups, broke up and packed in these tiny little tombs uh, where mm-hmm. the early Christian martyrs were buried. And I opened up Hebrews 11 and walked through some of that stuff. Really uh, cool moment. Uh, but Sistine Chapel stood out to me. Uh, I saw the David statue by Michelangelo. I think it's so much bigger than I mm. than I thought. Massive. I used to own it. I did. I used to own that one. It was about six inches. Nope. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had it. It was, was kept... not the same one. <laughs> Wasn't the same one. And I was naked. And then, yes, so thank once you. I had kids, That's great. I, once I had kids, I had to turn it around. Oh, but so he it... looks at the butt. <laughs> so then I turned Which it around. Which is also naked. <laughs> then I just took it off the shelf. Got it. Yep. There you go. All right, what's the next hot topic? All right, so here is another great one for you, John. Um, I regret that I have not given you much time to think about this one because you will probably stumble, but I want you to just shoot for it as straight as you can. But a couple weeks ago, West Point, they unveiled a time capsule that they had found on property 200 years old. It was in the base of a Revolutionary War hero as it was undergoing some reconstruction, a lead box. And so... I think it was August 28th, on a live feed, they opened it up, and what do you think they found inside of this thing? Tell me. All right, they found nothing. (laughs) What? But a layer of silt, and that was really about it. And then I was just, it robbed or I no it wasn't robbed it was and so I just checked the 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 news again this week there was an update they ended up inside this layer of silt uh, they found six coins and a uh, a a tribute medal um, from 1826 to the Erie Canal the completion of the Erie Canal so the six coins were a one cent five cent ten cent twenty five fifty cent and then. Uh, a one dollar. Of course, these were made out of silver, and so they were kind of. It must have had more materials in there, but over the course of two hundred years, it disintegrated. Mm. So the question for you, good Sir John, what in the world would you put in a time capsule that somebody would find one hundred years from now? Mm. Wow. Yeah. Right. That's tough. Yeah. Uh, is it like on my property so that maybe my forebears will open it up? Because let's sweeten of the like deal. Let's... The monetary benefit of like I don't want to I don't want to put like a sweet gun in there because what if guns are illegal? So I'm like, hey, but let me harbing, let me harbinger you this sweet gun. But I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know you, strangers. But if it's kind of like my great great grandkids, I'm like, here you go. Yeah, kids. let's let's I, uh, I don't mind coach it some... that way. Let's coach it that way. Let's say it's on your property. Let's say that it's <clears> you are you are able to do this in a way that's impervious to water getting in and destroying what's inside. Okay, so I'm gonna give him an AR-15 because I love you, my great 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 grandchildren. Uh, have fun, and uh, so, so an AR-15 and yeah. a magazine and some bullets. Yeah, more than likely. Um, let's put a Bible in there because I like to party. Um, is it one of your own from your own stock with your own handwritten uh, notes? Mm, or too precious it... to me. So it, it's not my three uh, nice ones that are all like 
For those triplicate. of you that don't know, John has a system of uh, Bible noting in it Bibles. It takes me like 70 hours to transcribe all my notes and stuff from one to the next to the next, and I have, I have three different Bibles in triplicate. And one of those is for me, and then the other two are to my sons. Once they, once they complete the read of the Bible, I will gift them one of mine. And my 11-year-old is about to finish the New Testament. Oh, so wow. He's about wow. to finish the New Testament. And so that's real exciting. So those are spoken for... I'll just put in a different one. All right. I'll so, put in a different one, but uh, in case somebody wants to kind of Voltaire the Bible away or whatever, of, yeah. it'll be there. Um, yeah, two items. You have two items in this. Is that enough item? Oh, no. Uh-uh. Uh, a part of me wants to play like a prank on them, you know, like put an unsolvable puzzle in there. You. You. Know? you. <laughs> like it's a puzzle, but it doesn't you. actually fit together. That would be so you. Know? you. So it's so cruel. I got to find some unsolvable puzzle to put in there. Uh, and then I'll put like some little prophecy etched on it of like the secret lies with Charlotte kind of thing. <laughs> like, you so, are so, so, the, the next 1,000 Like a treasure years. map that doesn't resolve kind <laughs> oh, of thing. So I, I think I think a cosmic prank that, that causes you would. people. You would put a prank in there, gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, a uh, sealed gallon of, uh, half gallon of milk. Just a, that's fun. That's I wonder not how, fun. I guess it would just deteriorate long before then and it'd lose its stinkiness. Or it but that wouldn't. seems like a funny. It'd be terrible. No, but then it'd spoil the gun in the Bible. I can't. True. I that can't would be terrible. Do a toxic. And guys in the comments are probably already saying that, that was a terrible one. Don't put. Milk yeah, in my there. mind went dark. Yeah, I did. So, uh, mm. would you put money in there? No, money's gonna be worthless in a hundred years. Mm, gotcha. Especially so power. seeds. Are you gonna put seeds in there? <laughs> oh yeah. So when yeah they'll find seeds to re uh, regrow the Replenish earth after we have been thrust in the next hundred years into a dystopian future, mm. kind of like Wally, you know, <laughs> just junkyards everywhere, <laughs> junkyards everywhere. <laughs> so I, I don't know that that that's a tough. Do you have any? Um, well, this is a perfect comment below for you guys. What in the world would you put in a time capsule? Let yeah. us know. I think that uh, I think things. I have wondered this. I have wondered if I'd put a laminated. Uh, uh, Constitution in there, mm, great. Um, if, yeah. A founding document, the the nation's document in there, um, and I wonder. Uh, I, I I would like to think that John is right with the, with a uh, some written material, uh, the Bible, um, as another document of, of guiding the faith and the overall structure of, of of a society. And I wonder if there's another book that I would put in there that would be precious. Um. What? Oh, John, are you? You mean the warrior poet way? Oh, I had no. <laughs> would that book that also mean, make its that way? That means I, a great deal to me. Yeah, Thank that, you that you had that independent yeah, thought unprompted. Uh, um, the warrior poet way uh, in uh, I, I would have it on a thumb drive, an audible version, and of course there would be no technology to play it. So I feel like such a punk. <laughs> you are, and I think that I would also put a firearm in there, and I think it would be it would be probably a silenced twenty two, mm. and um, I don't know why that. I just think that's a very very practical thing. I don't know if the ammunition would work a hundred years from now, but I would throw a bunch of ammunition in there mm. and I would actually probably put some hard coinage in there as well. You know, I, I think I would want to, this is probably the most important thing um, is maybe I'd write a letter to him and just talk about, I'll just talk about our, our world as it is now, hmm. you know, and some of our hopes and our dreams and our regrets, uh, both societally and personally. You know, so maybe a few page letter uh, would uh, be something that'd be really good. A message from me 
to the future reader 100 years from now. Could you imagine if a letter had been in that 200-year-old capsule uh, that they unearthed saying, here's my hopes, here's my dreams, here's the hard things that we're moving through right now as a culture? Yeah. That would actually be pretty fascinating. I think they have. They're they're called biographies, and they're everywhere. Ah, whatever. (laughs) What's your next hot topic? on fire. He's getting me today. I'm not ready for John. I can put it in a capsule if you want, or you just go to a bookstore. No, books won't exist by then. No one will know how to read. That may be true. <laughs> that may be true. And which brings us now, John, let's let's pivot now to the final hot topic for today. All right. So, John, here is your third hot topic, and this is going to diverge wildly from what we've been talking about. But uh, while you were gone, Joe Biden, he visited Vietnam. He was in Vietnam, and he did a bunch of uh, media uh, gatherings with a bunch of different people, got a lot of gaffes from that. One of the most famous gaffes that you might have missed is at the tail end of a 26-minute interview. He said, I don't know about you, but I can't wait to go to bed. So that was one of his best takeaways from that. But the thing I wanted to ask you is this, is during the course of his uh, weekend in Vietnam, he said uh, something to the effect, not to the effect, this is exactly what he said, is I, he said, I don't want to contain China. I don't want to contain China. Uh, and so my question for you is, was, was that a good thing to say? Was that a bad thing to say? I don't want to contain China. Mm. And this moment that we're in is, was, was that a, was, was there actually more, was there wisdom in that or was that foolish? What do you think? Um, I don't think it's wise for him to critique those who pay his bills, you know, and so Oof. I think he's got to toe the, the China line, right? Huh. Mm. You know, you, you got to represent those who sponsor you. I, I mean, don't know. I, I hate what you're saying, but I'm, I'm less, actually hearing you at the I same time. I am less and less concerned about what Biden is doing and more and more. I'm just wondering, uh, um, those who are writing his speeches and those who are actually pulling the strings, uh, mm. to make that puppet dance, mm. uh, those that's, that's concerning and shocking. They've, Biden's just a fall guy for some really nasty, powerful players. Yeah. Uh, that guy's not. Uh, that, that guy's not in charge. He does not know what's going on. Mm. You know, it, it's it's elder abuse, and that would immediately elicit me to feel bad for the guy if he hadn't spent his whole life uh, being a horrible human, exploiting, uh, you know, rolling around in abject corruption. Uh, yeah. hurting people. And so it's kind of like, eh, uh, I, I don't know. You, you hate to see elder abuse, but... Um, but that's kind of what it looks <clears throat> like at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, and like I said, I, I you know, I want to disagree with what you just said there, but on the other hand, like, um, I, I've had that thought too. China is a significant player in our economy right now. So how yeah. do you crap on that? You know, about- I... I don't know. Of uh, I vacillate between two different stark opinions. One says China is the biggest strategic threat, and the other, and both of these are kind of like expert camps. What the other says is China is done as a nation. Give them ten years, it's going to be completely defanged, declawed China. Mm. Uh, they have not kept up with their uh, birth replacement rate, and that's like decades old. Their doom was already sealed, and so they're so leveraged, far worse than the U.S that they are going to tank and they're already going down badly. Uh, uh, and so they will cease to be a threat and it's already happening to. And what you see right now is a lot of excited activity, uh, you know, and a at, lot of empty at cities. the point of critical mass before the, the sharp downslope. Now, I don't know which one of these varied perspectives is correct. I have no idea when I'm hearing this school of experts, I'm kind of like, Oh, well, whew, 
China's not a big issue. And then this other is like, China's the big issue. I'm like, oh, no. And I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, so, Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but certainly they're a threat here and now. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, man, I'm so worried. The biggest threat to the U.S. isn't China. It is the U.S. right now of a house divided against itself simply cannot stand. It can't. And we are so wildly divided. We cannot possibly stand. So China or no China, we're falling as it stands. Uh, and so we got to get our ducks in a row. And so perhaps uh, China giving us more and more pressure would force us to align our house. Yeah. Uh, maybe an external enemy to fight would keep us from fighting against ourselves to this extent. Now, uh, I, I think our ideology is so drastically separate that we don't share a common reality that even a common enemy couldn't allow us uh, to get back on the same thing. So I don't that's actually so dark. put much... Yeah. That's what I see. Yeah. I don't think we share a common reality to rally in. Uh, that, that's how divided the nation is. It's not like two sides of the same coin. Yep. It's like one's a coin and the other is, is you know, just like, yep. you know, something altogether other. The other thing's a pine cone. You know, it's like, yeah. there's, uh, this is completely... Uh, different uh, concepts. Well, John, so. you, you never fail to deliver on the hot topics. I do appreciate <laughs> your opinions and your observations, yeah, except yeah, yeah. that milk in the time capsule part. That was disgusting. But how about we transition for this and we go to something that from somebody that does know a little bit of what we're doing. So that's going to be the expert training tip. Yeah, expert training tip. And normally Heath would hand us off. And Heath has abandoned us this week and next week. He'll be back the week after that. So life happens, but I still think we should take a pause to boo Heath. Yeah. So you want to just on through one, two, three. Boo. Can we, uh, uh, Ryan boo. in post, can you just add a boo? Ready? One, two, three. I miss you, Heath. Boo. I do too, but I still feel I, like we should boo. I miss you though. <laughs> I miss you so much. Please. For all you guys listening in on the podcast, thanks so much. We're going to continue with our show, but to get the rest of all of our elements, our uh, hot topics with Ben, our Q&A ambush, our training tips, our dad jokes, and all kinds of topics we hit on the fly, you have to go to watchwpsn.com. That means you got to support us, and we actually need you to. Watchwpsn.com. You sign up there, and then you can download us in whatever app store that you would prefer to. Get the app and uh, support the movement. Guys, see you next time, and on to the network.